Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. The most valuable commodity I know of is information. Wouldn't you agree? I got five dollars. This is a run to the left. How many tackles can one man break? You're saying that humans need fantasy to make life bearable. Humans need fantasy to be human. My goodness, that was good. You guys are pros. The best. Relentless, refusing to give up. All right, hit that horn, babe. Let's dance. What's up, everybody, and welcome to the Fantasy Flex Podcast. This is your DFS preview for Super Bowl 57 between the Kansas City Chiefs and the Philadelphia Eagles. I'm your host, Chris Raybon. Joining me, as always, for the final Fantasy Flex episode of the season, Sean Kerner. Sean, what's going on? What's up, man? Yeah, we made it. Uh, I'm coming off uh, another good week, went 5-0. and I even lucked out on my... Um, Devontae Smith to lead that game in receiving yards at plus 270. He won that market with 36 yards. Just <laughs> how ridiculous. And one of those catches, the, the yeah. 20 iron catch shouldn't have shouldn't even have counted. counted. So I got so lucky on that. But what a ridiculous, ridiculous game. Uh, just awful. Feel bad for, you know, Purdy, Josh Johnson, the Niners. But uh, definitely lucked out with that one. But uh, how are you doing? I'm doing good. I, I had a, I almost was the donkey. Like I, I, I would have gone undefeated on my that game props. And then I bet like three more, oh. <laughs> right? I, like once Mitchell was out, I bet uh, McCaffrey over carries. He needed that last drive, that third down to get it. So luckily I got that, oh. but uh, <laughs> I also took the Niners plus three. So obviously that, that, uh, that went nowhere. Oh, and, man. Uh, and, I, and I had Debo over rushing as well. And yeah, he, I think he, had, uh, he, he, he gave him enough chances. Like the, yeah, the attempts, but the, the, yeah. the defense is new, you know, yeah. they can't throw. So Debo's getting the ball uh, on a handoff, but yeah, that was ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. And uh, you know, for everybody listening, be sure to to check out the action network podcast channel. Cause we'll have a ton of episodes leading up to the super bowl yep. over on that channel. We'll have the proper Palooza next week, which, which is where Sean and I will go through just all the props we're betting uh, for the super bowl. Of course, even punter props. Yeah. That, that's your specialty, your specialty. <laughs> Hell Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so, you know, be sure to tune in for that. We'll have Stucky and I will be on a couple more times before the season ends previewing the game. We'll also have a, an episode with Evan Abrams uh, for trends. And uh, yeah, so a lot of good stuff. But uh, as far as this, we'll, we'll do the DFS breakdown here since we have the prices. Uh, and we'll kind of talk through some things here and then uh, be sure to check out the Action Network pod channel for everything else. And uh, just want to shout out our contest winner for this week, Buck Nasty 737373. Congratulations 
Thanks for the rating and review. Be sure to hit up podcasts at actionnetwork.com to claim your free year of action pro. All right, here we go. Super Bowl 57, Kansas City, Philadelphia. Uh, we're going to kind of go through everybody here, mm-hmm. but let's start with, you know, when you're building your lineups in the captain spot, uh, who do you think essentially is going to have the best game here uh, fantasy-wise uh, in this one? Yeah, so, you know, last week I got a little bit sneaky by taking Mahomes for the AFC Championship, and sure enough, uh, he was only rostered on about 8% of teams in the captain slot in the main GPP, but he looked great. He should be closer to 100%, uh, so his roster ship will probably be back to normal levels. So I'm going the route you've been going uh, the past couple weeks, and that's just Jalen Hurts in the captain slot. I think, um, you know, he hasn't needed to do much in the first two playoff games. He's been held below... 160 passing yards and 40 rushing yards um, in both games. Um, his shoulder, he said it's still not 100%, but I think the extra uh, week of rest should help. So, you know, for the Super Bowl, he's going to get max usage here in the passing game, in the running game. So the chances of him just, you know, handing the ball off to Kenny Gamewell and Boston Scott for the entire fourth quarter uh, is much lower here. I think this is going to be a close game, possibly even a trailing game script. Um, so, you know, he's just going to have max usage and as always his, his rushing touchdown upside is what makes him such a great captain play. Every time he rushes for a touchdown that takes away from everybody else. Um, although I will say, I think the the pivot I would make would be to just use AJ Brown mm-hmm. in the captain slot. You know, the, the chiefs have played man coverage at a top 10 rate. Um, and Brown has torched man coverage with a 3.25 yards per route run rate. On the seasons, you know, the Chiefs do mix it up with their coverage. So there's no guarantee they're going to play more man coverage here. So um, just this is a spot where Brown should thrive. The the Chiefs do rank 31st in DVOA against number one wide receivers. Um, And, you know, last week the hip injury didn't seem to slow A.J. Brown at all. Um, So he should be 100% for the Super Bowl. And he was clearly frustrated in the divisional round. So I think they made it a point, you know, the squeaky wheel treatment. Uh, last game and they were just targeting him early and often even underneath um, so his 31 percent target per route run rate was the fourth time this season he's seen over a 30 percent um, target per route run rate so uh, I think they're clearly going to get him the ball um, early and often here so he's he's the kind of guy the massive upside I like in the captain slot from a wide receiver so for me it's Hurts and Brown all the way here yeah I like Hurts as well because Mahomes, we still don't know where he's going to be in terms of the rushing. And so I like Hurts because, you know, when you put him in a captain spot, yeah, he could throw for touchdowns and you could kind of stack guys in reverse. But he's also a really good bet to get a rushing score. He's gotten one in 11 of 17 games this year. That's 65%. And he's gotten three or more total touchdowns, rushing and passing, uh, just under 50% of the time. So High floor, high ceiling. I'm projecting him over two points higher than Mahomes this week. He's only $200 more mm. uh, on DK. Uh, I guess it would be 300 in the captain spot. And uh, about three and a half points more than Travis Kelsey. Uh, and, you know, he's only 600 more than Kelsey uh, on DK. So I think Hertz is the best value here. And, you know, you mentioned Kansas City. They play cover one. That's why they play man at one of the higher rates, because they play cover one the most. And Hertz averages 9.2 yards in attempt against cover one. And then their second most played coverage is cover two. And he averages 9.3 yards in attempt 
against cover two. So they could, like you said, they could switch it up. Uh, yeah. But about 40% of their coverages are cover one and cover two. Uh, if you go by their season numbers and Hertz is killing against both of those. So maybe they play more cover three. I think that's his kind mm-hmm. of his worst coverage, uh, but Spagnuolo always switches it up, but I just thought yeah. I'd, I'd point that out. And I, I like Kelsey this week as well, just because if I'm going with Hurts, I'm probably going to have a little bit less Mahomes in the captain spot. Uh, so if I want a Chiefs player, I'm still going with Kelsey. Uh, you know, his postseason numbers uh, throughout his career are just absurd. He's had a touchdown in each of his past five postseason games. He's had a touchdown in 11 of his past 14 postseason games that even predates Mahomes by a game uh, so I think that was Alex Smith for the 14th one but 10 of 13 with Mahomes he scored at least one touchdown he has 100 yards and or a touchdown in 68 percent of his games this year and 100 yards and or a touchdown in 14 of 17 career postseason games 82 percent he's getting either 100 a touch or both so I mean this guy just shows up and you know the narrative it's it's only one kelsey can get in the end zone so you know <laughs> you know which one that is and you know he's gonna want to uh you know kind of show out on his bro so i, I I'll, I'll follow the narrative there i think kelsey even if he doesn't put up massive yardage you know that eagles defense is very good uh, against the pass but even if he doesn't put up massive yardage I, I think he finds his way to the end zone and like you mentioned there could be negative game script this is the second lowest spread in a game that Jalen Hurts has started this year. So they're still a favorite, <laughs> but, uh, you know, and, yeah. and now it's down, well, it's actually down to one and a half at, at some spot. So I believe that would be the lowest. Uh, if it has it, to be. Yeah, because uh, they had a game they were a dog, but that was Minshew against Dallas. Yeah, um, yeah. They've always they, been favorite all year. Yeah, they lost both Minshew games. Uh, <laughs> their only loss with Hurts was against Commanders they, at home. They were, they were clearly favorite, favorites. Yeah. They were clearly favorites for that. So, yeah, it's uh, definitely the lowest spread for the Eagles this season. Uh, all right. Let's let's uh, let's talk some mid-range guys. We'll get to the dart throws in a bit, but uh, who are you going to start with here? So, let's just uh, – I'm going to start off with Juju Smith-Schuster, and really I'm just opening up about this Chiefs wide receiver mess because they're all hurt except for MBS. Um, so, with Juju, we're going to have to monitor his knee injury – um he had the you know he had to leave the game early last week but it was the fourth straight game he sent a target per route run rate below 10 percent so I have to imagine his roster ship's going to be uh you know the lowest point it's been all season um but he's he's the most likely cheap to avoid you know Darius Slay and James Bradbury in coverage so he does have the better matchup but again it comes down to his health so this is a wait and see and just it's so impo- it's impossible right now to project the Chiefs wide receivers because again they're all injured. So um, how are you handling this situation right now? Are you just projecting them all being a hundred percent, or wh- how are you going about this? So I, I actually am not. I am kind of looking at each individual injury and mm-hmm. kind of adjusting from there. So Juju had a knee injury. Um, that's not good. So, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> you know so. Typically, uh, wide receivers that play through a knee injury are going to see like a 15 to 20% decrease in their fantasy production. So uh, until we get, you know, until we see him, you know, off the injury report or practicing in full, uh, I'm docking him uh, a significant amount, about 20% of his normal production in, in, well, about 10% usage and then another 10% in terms of his actual production. So it adds up to about 20%. 
for Juju. I only have him projected for three catches right now, which is more than he's been doing the last five games. <laughs> but right. no, I mean, you know, when you watch Juju, I feel like he hasn't really been quite right since he came back from that concussion. Like mm. I know he's had a couple of, he's had a couple of games where he hit double digit targets and he got he had like a 74 yard game and an 88 yard game. But you know, besides that, he came back from that concussion in week 12, you know, three for two, three for 38, three for 35. You know, there's a three for and then the last five, three for 27, two for 21, two for 35, two for 29, one yeah. for seven. So he had those two big games, a nine for 74 and a 10 for 88. Uh that was you know, in his third and fourth game back. And then he really hasn't done anything. So I like I don't know. If oh, he's been awful. Yeah. yeah. So I, but like, do you have any just insight? Like, what do you think is going on with him? Do you think it's, you know, physical, physically related? Do you think it's just variants? Because uh, even that knee injury in the Bengal game, I didn't really see him get hurt. Like he was on, I was watching, I rewatched it. And he was on the field. I believe it was for uh, that, MVS conversion or something like that, I think. And then, and then, no, the Hardman, the play that Hardman got hurt. And then it was like, you never really saw Juju get hit or like twist anything. And then next thing you know, they're like, oh, he's just on the sideline with a knee injury. So, like, I don't know. What are you seeing out of Juju these last, the second half of the year? Yeah, no, I can't figure out either. Um, again, his target per route rate numbers have been just absolutely awful. So, there's definitely something there. Maybe he's not getting separation or whatnot it could be a physical issue he's it's not like it's an age thing he's still what just like 25 years old he's always younger than you think because he's been around for so long but he starts so early um but you know looking at his separation numbers it hasn't been too bad um i don't know but that's that's um, at the target point so it could just be yeah, that when he's, he's you know he's not getting yeah exactly yeah, he's, he's just, only getting targeted when he's wide open right is and, what it comes down to and, he's and not that's kind of what it looks like to me you know, yeah. like just kind of watching it. I don't, you know, I don't go back and watch every single play on all 22, but I watch right. every game and see every play. And I mean, I just, I don't remember him ever. I don't remember saying, oh my God, like Juju's wide open and they, they missed him or something like that. It's usually just, he's kind of just there. So yeah, I know it had, it's tough. The, the slump sort of started when Tony started getting more playing mm -hmm. time and Tony gets targeted at such a high rate. Um, that could have something to do with it um there, there's just a lot of factors probably just all the factors colliding at once um but again like if if juju's active and it's you know tony watson uh and hardman are out uh you know that's probably gonna help his case so there's just a lot of moving parts here um so it's something that we'll just have to wait and see yeah i think i, I think watson should be fine he's he had an illness so that that yeah, yeah, exactly. Last two weeks. I think Watson will be good to go. Tony yeah. was concerning because it was like a non-contact ankle injury. And Hardman is concerning because he, you know, re-aggravated. Yeah, he's been struggling yeah. with his pelvis injury all year. So I, I checked out, you know, how many snaps and routes they were playing before they went down. Uh, so Juju had was in on 76% of the routes before he went down. So that's kind of pretty much around his, yeah. his season average. Uh, Tony, he barely, you know, got through, I think it was the, what, the first quarter, but he was actually in on 43%, which would have been tied a season high. Yeah. And then Hardman was 36% before he went down, which 
uh, is a pretty big decrease. He was at, he usually at 50, 55% for the year. So, um, you know, that's, that's kind of what you would expect if, if they're healthy, I think. And Watson would probably, you know, bump down more, would bump down probably in the low twenties. Uh, but uh, I, I think MVS, you know, he's, he played the most in the slot <laughs> last game. So maybe he can avoid yeah. uh, Slay and Bradbury. I also saw them use MVS out of the backfield on a couple of plays. So they did start to get a little bit creative with him. So, you know, I, I am intrigued, but it really depends on what's going to happen with, uh, you know, with Juju, obviously, because Juju, you know, he would still kind of project as that number one or at least, you know, co-number one with MVS. But and MVS will probably get more rostership after the big game. So, yeah. And uh, even with all those injuries, Sky Moore failed to clear 15 yards. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Uh, you know, I haven't projected for one catch uh, right now. So, yeah, <laughs> not not expecting too much for from Sky Moore. In this spot, like I think, I think it would be you know Juju. I think MVS would lead the team in routes, followed by Juju. Yeah, Tony. If he if everyone was healthy, I think they would like Tony to be third, Hardman fourth, and then you know more and Watts. Like Watson usually plays when they go one wide, and when they have like two or three tight ends on the field, that's usually his kind of the formation mm-hmm. with that he plays, and then more would just be the backup to everybody essentially. Yeah, no, I would, I would love to see Tony healthy for the game, but he's, he's the one guy that just anytime he gets hurt, it always turns into a multi-week thing. So I hope he's okay, but he's, he's the one that I'm worried the most about missing, um, just based on his, his past, you know. And you said it was like a non-contact ankle injury. Again, we, we have like very limited info on these, so th- this will be a ever-changing projection for both of us. Yeah, uh, who else do you like uh, in the mid-range? Yeah, so I, you know, for the Eagles side, um, I, I do like Dallas Goddard. He's been fairly quiet um, after returning from his five-game absence late in the season, but he's now seen, you know, twenty percent or greater target per route run rate in both playoff games, uh, and he gets high percentage throws underneath. So he has five catches in both games, uh, but he has massive upside if the Eagles finally have a pass-heavy game script where you know they might be trailing. Um, so I think he has seven to eight catch sort of upside here. So I, I do like him in this spot. His roster ship might be a little bit lower than it should be. Um, and then I, I like both pass catching backs for both teams. Again, this is if you're building a trailing game script for either team. I wouldn't use them both in the same lineup necessarily. So Jarek McKinnon, I think it's a good time to buy low on him. He's posted back-to-back duds in the playoffs so far. Um, Pacheco, strangely enough, had a higher routes run rate. Yes, fifty-two uh, percent. Oh, I want to get your when I, when I bet that when I bet the under yeah. on his receptions. No that's shit. What it does and does. <laughs> so I'm trying to figure that out. Um, it could revert back this week. I don't know if it had to do with you know the Chiefs were in control for most of the game, so the Chiefs had more two to three tight end sets. It, and they were, we were not in control for most of the game. First of all, they were not. Well, that game they, was close the whole game. Well, they were yeah, not in control I mean, at any point. <laughs> they were. I'm just saying that you know Pacheco's in there on early downs, right? So they had yeah. more two to three tight end sets yes. uh, because of all the wide receiver injuries. And they were way more pass heavy than usual in the three tight end sets. Um, so I think that could have to do with it. But uh, Pacheco, he looked great. I, I don't know why they haven't used him more as a pass catcher. But either way, the facts are undeniable. Pacheco outran McKinnon. But again, that could change here. So I think in a potential trailing game script, I think McKinnon will get more involved. And his roster ship will be lower. I think he was one of the top, like, captain, like, his roster ship uh, in the AFC Championship game was probably too high. So I think a lot of people are going to be turned off by that dud. 
Um, so again, I think he's sneaky. If if you want to build a Chiefs trailing game script type of lineup, uh, McKinnon's the way to go there. And then Kenny Gainwell, you know, he's not under the radar anymore. Uh, he has the second highest uh, rushing yards per game in the puffs, even more than Christian McCaffrey. And, you know, he's benefited a ton from just getting a garbage time at the end of these blowouts. Uh, and he has looked like the best back in the backfield. But in a potential pass-heavy trailing game script, um, he could see a lot more work in a passing game. Um, so this is a spot where we could see him top 50% routes run rate uh, in the passing game. So uh, I do like his upside in almost any game script right now. Um, and I, I think his roster ship will be a little bit higher than I like it to be. But again, if I'm building a Eagles trailing game script uh, lineup, he's definitely going to be in there. Yeah, the Chiefs, they, they tightened up against running backs last week against Cincinnati. I think it was 19 yards on seven targets. But mm -hmm. for the year, they've been one of the bottom five teams in terms of DVOA against running backs, in terms of schedule-adjusted targets per game allowed to running backs and schedule-adjusted yards per game allowed to running backs in the past game. So the season-long numbers yeah. tell you that Gainwell should have some success. And he has uh, been averaging, I believe it's about two receptions per game over his last half dozen. Uh, so I've actually bumped up his his my reception projection for him from his usual like 1.5 to about 1.9. So uh, okay. I'm expecting him to catch a couple passes here, but uh, you know it'll be interesting to see uh, you know how how much they use him coming off that because I, I agree I think he he did look great out there, but uh, at at the same time we've seen the, the Eagles just in these super positive yeah. game scripts where they could just essentially put Sanders on ice. I think they put him on ice in the third quarter <laughs> yeah like late in the third he was done yeah yep. done and i think to be fair some of those targets to the, the Bengals backs mainly samaj p ryan last week was just burrow freaking out because he was under pressure immediately uh one of them was an intentional grounding another he threw it to p ryan p ryan didn't even know the ball was coming his way so i don't think they were very good targets because you know burrow is under constant pressure um uh, but yeah so i think with the eagles a better offensive line, they will take advantage of the Chiefs defense that has struggled against pass catching backs this year. Yeah, uh, I like you already mentioned him, but uh, AJ Brown, I think he's the guy I'm going with, uh, as that top Eagles pass catcher here. As you mentioned, Kansas City 31st in DVOA against number one receivers, and they've allowed the second most receiving touchdowns to wide receivers in a regular season with 20. And uh, also, they were showing some cracks downfield targets last week. On targets 20 yards or more down the field, Kansas City allowed three of six for 83 yards and a touchdown. So that's certainly something I think Brown can exploit. He finished sixth during a regular season in uh, deep targets with 29. And then uh, I also like both of the starting two down, early down backs in mm -hmm. this game. I like Miles Sanders because the Kansas City defense, they have pretty drastic splits when they play good teams versus when they play bad teams. So when they played playoff teams, they've allowed seven running back touchdowns in nine games. Uh, and then when they played non-playoff teams, that goes down to 50%. So uh, about 75% of the time, over 70% of the time, they're allowing a touchdown to a running back against the playoff team. And, and they, in both of the last two games, they allowed one to a running back. Uh, one of them was P. Ryan, but I think Sanders is still the most likely to get uh, those touches by the goal line if it's a as long as the game is close and mm -hmm. then uh you know looking at my projected touchdown odds for this game miles sanders i remember last year i, I know we were banging like his unders and I, I think he finished with zero rushing touchdowns this year yes. it's, 
it's kind of a different story. He's been, and the whole team, I mean, Jalen Hurts included, just racking up the scores on the ground. But so I'm looking at my projections and I have Sanders as the second highest not, uh, skill player in terms of projected uh, touchdown odds at 40%. So mm. that trails only Travis Kelsey for me uh, by about five, what, what about, about 5% uh, it trails Travis Kelsey. So uh, I'm pretty high on, on Sanders here getting into the end zone. And when I kind of, you know, calculate the, you know, take the, the touchdown odds and divide it by the salary to kind of get my little touchdown values. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sanders is pretty much uh, right there at the top of the list. Uh, Gainwell also scores pretty high in that. So I like that call as well. Uh, I, I just, I'm just worried that like it might slip back to Sanders if he gets like more playing time this week, because uh, yeah, you know, they, they took him out in the third last game and the fourth, the game before. So that's where Gainwell really kind of racked up a ton of usage. Uh, but you know, in games that like during the regular season, it was more like Sanders would get 70% of the backfield carries. Gainwell would get 15 to 20%. Uh, and that really has kind of flip-flopped to where Gainwell's getting almost, you know, 30, 40, sometimes half. So uh, I do like kind of going back to Sanders here. Uh, I do think he has a really good shot of getting in the end zone. And I think he has a good shot of uh, seeing potentially his most carries of the postseason mm-hmm. if the game is close. I know he had 17 against the Giants. Uh, but he's been he's been a guy when the game is close. He will get, you know, 75, 80 percent of the backfield carries. And they have been keeping him on ice. There's no no reason to keep him on ice now. Exactly. So I th- I do think people need to keep that in mind. You know, I know we have to kind of pay attention to the couple, last couple of games a lot when we project running backs. But I do think, you know, he's still around about s- just under 70 percent of the backfield design carries for the season. Uh, I think you could see him go back to that uh, this week. Uh, against the the Chiefs and then Pacheco I, I do like Pacheco too mm-hmm. I know like he's not obviously is going to be as under the radar as McKinnon but Philadelphia just from a game planning perspective Philadelphia is still a run funnel defense they're first in pass DVOA 19th against the run and they haven't allowed many running back runs in the playoffs because they've been up so much but They've allowed 29, and those 29 carries have gone for 178 yards uh, and a touchdown and two touchdowns. So that's over six yards per carry to running backs in the postseason. So that defense started trending up uh, down the stretch once they got Dominican Sue, Linval Joseph, but the efficiency really hasn't been there for that defense in the postseason, and even going back uh, to the last couple games of the regular season as well. Uh, a running back has scored in a 61% of games against Philly for the last six and Pacheco's got 73% of the backfield carries since week 11. And that's important because I don't think you're going to see Mahomes running around as like, I know he scrambles sometimes and he usually scrambles more in the postseason, but I uh, still think he's probably going to be a little bit more cautious in terms of scrambling around. So it could be all running backs uh, mm-hmm. or maybe like a gadget player too uh, when they get down in close. So I have Pacheco with uh, about a 30 three 34% chance for a, a, a touchdown, which is a uh, fourth among skill players for me. So another guy that, you know, I, I feel like you got to kind of nail the touchdowns for these, uh, for these kind of slates. So uh, another guy, I think he's only got five, I believe on the year, but I, I, I think he's in a good spot uh, to get one here against Philly. Yeah. I like it. And what, what do you think in terms of um, running back stacks? Like if you're going to take two running backs, one from each team, uh, I think the logical, you know, point of view is Miles Sanders stacking with McKinnon. Mm-hmm. 
with a you know Eagles leading game script, or Kenny Gainwell and Pacheco for a Chiefs leading game script, or uh, it's just going to be a close game and you just go Sanders Pacheco. What are your thoughts on like how you're going to handle those correlations? Yeah, I think with when you're if you're putting Sanders in a lineup, I don't think it matters as much because we've seen what happens with Sanders, right? If the Eagles are doing well, Sanders is getting into the end zone early in the game. And then mm-hmm. they take him. So he's going to get his either way. If it's a close game, he's going to get, you know, 15, 16, 17, 18 carries because it's close. So I think Sanders is a little more um, kind of game script agnostic in terms of who you could stack him with. Like, I, I think it makes sense to stack him with McKinnon, as you said, or Pacheco. Whereas if you're going with Gainwell, I think that's where I would go a little more strongly toward uh, Pacheco because I think yeah. I mean or, or, excuse me to, yeah toward Pacheco because I think that in that situation um, you know it, you're kind of playing for okay Eagles negative game script although I mean there's, <laughs> there is the chance the Eagles just blow out the Chiefs right I mean that's yeah part of the question <laughs> exactly. but then then you could still see kind of the same thing so but I do think what you said at first is probably the optimal way to go Sanders McKinnon mm-hmm. uh, Gainwell Pacheco but I'm not overly concerned with any pairing just because the Eagles run so damn much. Right? You know, <laughs> yeah. it's it's just kind of. But like, they've never been it really in a trailing game script. Yeah, so. they may not. <laughs> I got they the Mahomes jersey on, but that doesn't mean I'm like, I, I just, yeah. just thought it was a cool jersey to wear. But uh, no, I, I think your point is taken. I think that's how, um, that, that would be my starting point is to mm-hmm. pair the opposites with each other. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I, I think. Uh, I th- the Eagles are just, it's just really tough to to say, okay, like fade this guy just because you have the other guy because they, everyone's just been getting so many carries because they're just, this, <laughs> they're just running the ball, running the hell out of the ball. Yeah. But uh, all right, but we got, we're down to dart throws now. Uh, who do you like? Do you like darts, Ted? Oh, they're okay. I'm more of a, you know, a cornhole man myself. Yeah. <laughs> so one last time, right, for the Eagles. So when it comes to the Eagles, there's really two dart throws that you can consider. Boston Scott is a dart throw if you think they're going to blow a team out. Quez Watkins is a dart throw if you think they will actually be in a close game or, God forbid, a trailing game script. Um, So now through the first two rounds of the playoffs, you know, they've been in two blowouts. So Quez uh, has zero catches. You've cashed both of your unders on him. (laughs) Nicely done. That is his his floor is zero catches. That's we're well aware of that. However, uh, this is a game where, you know, they might be in a pass-heavy game script. So I think the chances of Quez not only catching a pass, but catching a deep ball, maybe a touchdown, go up here. Um, and it was nice to see, you know, we were trying to wonder, we were kind of wondering why uh, Zach Pascal uh, led in routes run in the divisional round, but it bounced back up to the more normal levels. So Quez, you know, had a 52% routes run rate last week uh they didn't really have to throw him the ball much so you know he had the zero catches but this is a game where they could take a shot or two to hit uh, to quez downfield um so he's back in play as a dark yeah, throw i got some i got some <laughs> great numbers on on quez i knew go we were for it go there so uh first of all kansas city defense 10th in epa and sixth in success rate against passes from one two personnel but 16th in EPA and 20th in success rate against passes in one, one personnel. So I think there is incentive for the Eagles to go back to throwing out of more one, one personnel. And that would be obviously good for Watkins Uh, just under a quarter of his targets have been 20 or more yards Mm downfield. 
this year. And you mentioned the Graham scripts. When they're leading or tied, he's averaging just 8.3 yards a catch, five yards a target. When they're trailing, he averages over 17 yards a catch and just under 12 yards yeah. a target. So it, it's more than doubles in terms of the efficiency down the field when the Eagles are trailing and his touchdown rate per target, 5% when leading 7.7%, so close to 8% when trailing. So everything goes up, but 40 of his targets have been leading or tied and only 13 have been trailing. So he just hasn't had a, ch- a much of yep. a chance. But like you said, if the Chiefs can get an early lead and, you know, even if the Chiefs are just leading by, you know, three or seven for a decent amount of this game, I mean, we could see Watkins go like, three for 96 and a touchdown or something like that. <laughs> yep. that's that's in his range of outcomes so yeah. uh, i i do think that this is a quiz week this is a week i will not be betting okay. his under <laughs> i think it's down to like 10 and a half so the books I, are sharp they i'm not i give them that they are sharp now with it but i would not touch that one way yeah. or the other um if anything I'll, I'll look out for like the alt markets of like 50 or more receiving yards at like eight to one right he, mm-hmm. he's the guy that you go uh for his ceiling uh, so yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to touch even his over 10 and a half, still a good chance he has zero, but um, going back to what you were saying, like weeks 13 through 18, he had an A dot of 7.2. And a lot of that coincided with Dallas Goddard being out. We've talked about that. Mm-hmm. He was kind of taking those underneath routes. Uh, last week, his one target was 33 yards downfield. So I think he's back to being that deep shot kind of guy. So yeah, I think just they haven't really been in a trailing spot. So uh, it makes sense that the the few times they have been, um, he's been seeing more targets downfield. So this would be a a chance, the type of game where Quez Watkins does actually hit on a showdown slate. And then for the chiefs, I don't want to steal your thunder too much. I think we're on the same guy, Um, but go with Jody Forkston here. Uh, I think he makes a ton of sense because with the wide wide receiver situation being a mess, you know, we might have one or two of these guys actually get ruled out. So the Chiefs might have to run more two, three tight end sets again this week. And, you know, Fortson didn't see a target last week, but he did run her out on 18% of Mahomes' dropback. So he can't, he could be overlooked here. But um, we're not asking him to catch four passes for 40 yards. Obviously, that's not in his range of outcomes. What we're looking for is a cheap touchdown uh, near the goal line. Uh, he does have that upside. He has four touchdowns on his 14 career receptions in two seasons. So, um, you know, Andrew, likes to get uh, pretty cute uh, when we get in the red zone. So he has two weeks to scheme up a Fortson play in the end zone. So uh, we definitely have to take some swings on Fortson in this showdown slate. Yeah. 29% of his career catches have gone for touchdowns. (laughs) And this year he's had 13 targets all year, 38% of them have come inside the 10, <laughs> not even in the red zone, inside the 10-yard yeah. line. Uh, he's averaging eight routes per game, 19% route participation, which is pretty solid on a pass-heavy team as a third tight end. That's eight routes a game. That give you know, that gives you – you could get multiple targets with eight routes per game, you know, if you get, you know. Yeah, yeah. The, the, uh, the, the standard deviation, you likely get one target, but – could easily get two if things go right and this eagle team because you have slay on the outside because you have bradbury on the outside because you have all of the wide receivers 
you know, in urgent care, wherever they are. Like it's, you know, this is, this could be a game where the Chiefs rely on not just Travis Kelsey, but their heavy formations, which they've been using more of, oh, like down the stretch in the second half. Yeah. Uh, which is, I think, hard to do with maybe Juju struggling a little bit, or maybe I don't know if it's the chicken or the egg, but uh, you know, going back to Juju because I, I just I did have a thought on Juju, and I, I think what's happening with him is. You look at his slot rate this year and the Kansas city chiefs, Andy Reid, when they got rid of Tyreek Hill, they said, we're going to get receivers that can do everything. Mm. So all their wide receivers play out of the slot about 40% of the time. Like we saw Valdez Scantling go over 40% last week in the slot. So this year, Juju 42% slot rate. That is a career low last yeah, last year, 80% year before 85%. Uh, you know, his, his rookie year, 59%, you know, that that's pretty much as low as he's going to go. It was like, 60 59 60 percent uh slot rate before this year and i just think you know he was always a guy that he was better as a big slot and i think now being asked to play outside more he's just not getting open he's just not getting open as much and you know patrick mahomes best quarterback on the planet he's gonna throw to the right guy and the right guy more often than not this year just hasn't been juju i think because he's playing uh on the outside so i think that's actually you know just going back to that point that we discussed earlier Um, you know, I think that's kind of what's going on with him. Now he's had a couple of big games, you know, when he's still been around 40% in the slot, but it's been far less consistent than at any point uh, in his career. Yeah, so, no, I think that that does make a ton of sense. Yeah. So Fortson like him and I, I'll even mention Noah Gray because I think people will be off him mm-hmm. because last five games, exactly one target, exactly <laughs> one catch. Right. But you look at the season long numbers and I think there's a lot to like here. First of all, at least 10 routes in every single game. His route participation rate uh, has been up above 40 uh, pretty much the entire second half of the season. And, you know, even with Fortson back last week, 46% uh, route participation rate for Gray. And then you look at the Eagles' defense. They love to play cover four. They, they play a lot of cover three as well. That, that, that takes care of about 45% of their total coverages. And uh, Gray, 1.6 yards per route against cover four. That's behind only Tony in a very small sample. And then Kelsey and Juju. So Juju's actually been pretty good against some zones, which makes sense. Uh, And then against cover three, 1.9 yards per route. Again, behind only Tony in a very small sample. And then Kelsey McKinnon and Juju. And remember, Juju's probably not 100%. So you're talking about Noah Gray might be one of the better options on the field uh, against these coverages that the Eagles uh, tend to play. So I do think we could see uh, another multiple target game for yeah. Noah Gray uh, for once, uh, for the first time in, in six games in this spot. And since the bye, even with these five uh, games where he's been kind of stuck on, on one catch, he's still averaging 1.8 catches and 21 yards per game since the bye. So that's a pretty good average for a guy that, you know, barely costs a thousand dollars. One, 1.2K on DraftKings. So one of the cheapest players uh, and on a route for route basis, probably the best, best value. I think Fortson mm-hmm. is the best touchdown value. Like I have his touchdown odds around 5% uh, and he costs 200. So that's like a 10 X if you want to do it that way. Uh, so I think he's the best just pound for pound touchdown odds, but Noah Gray in terms of straight up, you know, being on the field, you're getting, you know, double digit routes for, 1.2k it's again in a good matchup yeah i think that uh, i think it's hard to beat that 
Yeah, over these past five games, he has a 6% uh, target rate on his routes per run. And then his season is 11.6. So he has definitely room to go up. And despite that, you know, drop in target, uh, you know, production, he's caught a pass in 15 straight games, which you can't really say about guys around 1K (laughs) on showdown slate. So he, he does have a pretty high floor. Uh, all things considered with these lower end guys. But yeah, like when it comes to the Chiefs tight ends, Gray and Fortson are definitely in play on this slide. Y'all take your darts over here pretty seriously, huh? The couple of the guys I want to talk about, I don't think either of us are on them, uh, but mm. I just want to kind of get your thoughts on them. Uh, the first is, let's go back to Boston Scott, because yeah, when I project him out, he's coming up as a pretty bad value now that he's priced up a little bit. Uh, so like, what are you thinking in terms of, you know, his usage, let's say the game stays close. Uh, what are you thinking in terms of his usage? Does it go back to kind of his season-long numbers? Do you just remove all the games against the Giants when you're projecting? <laughs> yeah, like, probably. Like how are you kind of handling Scott? Because I think that's a guy that he's going to be tempting in a, to a lot of people because you have these three running backs and, you know, one is like 8K, the other is 5K, and the other is 3K. And all three of them have been scoring and finding the end zone. And so I think people are going to say, okay, Boston, why not just take the cheapest guy in Boston Scott? So, uh, you know, what are your what are, what are your thoughts on him? How much exposure do you kind of see yourself having uh, for him? Uh, I'll try to be underweight on him because, mm-hmm. like you said, I think his roster ship will be too high. I mm-hmm. think people will just look at the touchdowns and gravitate towards him. But this is going to be a close game. And I think this leads to what you're, why you're high on Miles Sanders. You know, Miles Sanders – has been capped almost all season long. He rarely plays in the fourth quarter because they're blowing teams out. I think a lot of those Scott touches that we normally see every week will go to Sanders and Gainwell. So I think um, I'm projecting him really low right now, and I want to be underweight on him. And if he scores a cheap touchdown, so be it. But I think the way to go here is sort of fade him and just invest in Sanders and Gainwell, seeing most of the touches in this game. Yeah, I think if you want to invest in Boston Scott, DFS, uh, you could do it, uh, but you have to have a certain game script. It has to be essentially Eagles blowout game script. (laughs) And because if you you look at Boston Scott, it's actually interesting because for the Super Bowl, I look up weird stats like this, but Boston Scott has scored the last touchdown for the Eagles in three of his 18 active games. So the only person... The only two players that have more are Hertz with five and uh, Devontae Smith with four. So hmm. Boston Scott, Scott, if they're up big or maybe even if they're down big, he could be in there late. Uh, so that's how you kind of have to play it with, with kind of more a more extreme game. Yeah. Play. yeah. Extreme. I mean, yeah. running backs can get hurt. Sanders mm-hmm, can get mm-hmm. hurt early on. So you could play him. But I, I think one way to be kind of unique would be, I don't know, stack Sanders and Scott. Because if there is a blowout, maybe Sanders scores a couple touchdowns early and Scott gets one late. That's kind of how every Eagles game has gone <laughs> so far this year. So I, I don't know if that's going to be too unique. But yeah, if you're using Scott, you got to get real creative and maybe throw in a Fortson. I don't know. But I just think Scott's roster ship is going to be probably too high in this yeah. game. And the, and the price isn't – now that the price is up, yeah. the value yeah. is not really great. Yeah, because I have about three three carries in this game, which it sounds, it sounds low, but that's yep. like – the median is probably still around three. You don't expect the team to be blowing people out by 28, 30 uh, every week. And then the other guy is Zach Pascal, because even though my uh, Quez Watkins did 
bounce back in terms of his route participation last week, it wasn't to his normal season level. His normal yeah. level is 62%. Last week, it was 52%. And Pascal was at 37%. The game before, he was at 38%. Uh, it's just that they used more uh, tight end, heavy tight end personnel. And so Watkins was down at 27. But the point is, Pascal has, for now, five straight weeks, seen an increase in terms of, uh, well, four straight weeks, but then he's kind of stayed around 30, 37, 38 for the last, for the two postseason games. But he has seen a bump of about 10%. And I just wonder if you have any interest in him being that he's kind he still is closing the gap with uh with Watkins and there just really is no it's hard to roster any other Eagles pass catchers like Gainwell, I guess you could call a pass catcher, but you know, Jack Stoll's probably only gonna get five routes. He hasn't really <laughs> been targeted in the red zone. Uh Covey only returns kicks. Calcaterra might not even run one route. So right. Pascal is kind of that only other guy that if you're saying, okay, he could get a cheap touchdown, I mean, he could, but I'm just curious, uh, what, what what are your thoughts on him? Yeah, so I think with with Quez, you know, he can break the slate, you know, with one or two big catches, a touchdown. I think with Pascal, you need a touchdown. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, he has been in on their uh, goal line looks. He's in their, you know, run block. Um, so he has been on the field, at least, on those plays. And if they do something where – you know, they, they fake the handoff and they throw it. He's one of three or four targets that could catch a touchdown. So he's definitely out there um, in those kind of like cheap touchdown plays. So yeah, I think he's definitely worth a flyer, but with him, we're not, you know, trying to get three catches for 50 yards from him. It's literally just getting a cheap touchdown. And he has uh, seen those snaps uh, the past couple of games. So I think he's definitely worth a couple dart throws. I think Quez has more paths to mm-hmm. get there but there is certainly a path for Pascal. Yeah. I have his touchdown odds around about five and a half percent. So, mm-hmm. you know, if, if you kind of say, okay, if I'm making a hundred lineups and there's a five to 6% chance yeah. uh, Pascal <laughs> scores, you probably want him in double that, you know, you probably want right. him at least, you know, 12, you know, 10 to, to 15 lineups. So yeah, I think I'm going to still have a, a good amount of Pascal just because it's, it's tough to kind of, uh, get some of these other Eagles guys in there. And, and Jack Stoll, he's really not popping for me, uh, you know, even as much, even the way uh, Pascal is, because he just hasn't really, you know, he's, he'll run like a half dozen routes and he'll, he's lucky if he gets like a five yard catch. So um, I, I suppose he could get a touchdown, but I have his touchdown odds like, you know, closer to three, three, 4% and uh, kind of in that same range. So I, I'd rather go with the wide out. All right. Do we got the, do we have luck rankings for the Super Bowl? Yeah, um, right now it's it's not a luck ranking. Well, I guess it is when you consider that the Chiefs are number one and the Eagles are number two. Um, <laughs> so that's kind of how you get to the Super Bowl. You have to get lucky at some point. But I think, you know, just both teams are really good. So um, I would just bet this game straight up. Um, do you have any thoughts on the spread and everything? I'm right in line. I know that's the yeah. kind of boring thing. You know, I, I thought it was kind of uh, wild when the Chiefs were – I think the Chiefs opened what like minus two, two and a half. Um, and like yeah. I, I by the time I went to go bet Philadelphia, that that had changed. So I, I didn't I didn't yeah. get to take advantage of it. I was too slow. But I think now it's pretty much in line. I I do see a close game. I know we haven't got that with the Eagles yet, but <laughs> you know, I, I think last time the Chiefs were in the Super Bowl, it was that Tampa Bay 31-9. And I think 
And that's also why I like a guy like Pacheco, because I, I just think they, they're going to take steps to make sure that they don't lose the same way, you know, with, with Mahomes yeah. just kind of under duress. So I do think, you know, to your point, we'll see a lot of Noah Gray. We'll see a lot of Fortson. Uh, I think we'll see a lot of Pacheco. And, and to answer your earlier question, I think Pacheco could continue to see uh, more routes out of the backfield because mm, I think yeah. I think they're going to just want to use those heavier formations, especially with the wide receiving core and flux and not really reliable. You know, even if all of those guys are healthy, do you count on them to make it through the game? You know, so right. uh, I, I do think you're going to see uh, those, those formations. Maybe you get Edwards Elaire back uh, as well. So I, I do think uh, we could see a little bit more of a, a run heavy script for the uh and just heavy personnel script yeah for the chiefs uh what about you any any uh any thoughts uh i yeah i had eagles minus one and a half so the, the market has mm. finally settled exactly where i had it i thought you know if if it got up to chiefs plus three i was gonna hammer that never did never. uh but a lot of the props i'm looking at i haven't locked anything in yet but a lot of the props i do like kind of correlate with the chiefs leading game script and I think some of that is due just the Eagles haven't been in a trailing game script. So I think there's some sneaky value in the, you know, investing in their passing attack, investing in the Chiefs running game. Um, so that just early observations, um, a lot of the props I might be on would correlate nicely with taking the Chiefs plus one and a half. But I just haven't taken a position on that uh, quite yet. Yeah. And uh, as a reminder, we'll have uh, full prop coverage on the Prop of Palooza episode next week over on the Action Network podcast channel. Uh, also, we'll, uh, we'll be on the favorites next week as well uh, to break down some props. So be sure to check those out. Of course, you can follow Sean on Twitter at the underscore oddsmaker. You can follow me at Chris Raybon. And you can find us at those same handles on the free award-winning Action Network app. Be sure to download uh, the app as well. We have live player prop odds tracking now. So a lot of good stuff. Uh, on the app actionnetwork.com for all of our Super Bowl 57 betting content and fancylabs.com for our DFS tools and models for Super Bowl 57. Uh, this will be our last Fantasy Flex episode uh, for this season. We'll obviously be back uh, in the offseason. We'll keep you guys updated uh, and we'll start talking uh, 2023. But until then, uh, it's been a great year and uh, Good luck uh, to you, Sean, and good luck to everybody out there. Uh, until 2023 offseason, let's get this money. Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.